Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Here's where we are um, as we go into uh, the scriptures today. If you have a Bible, you can open to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, that's where we're going to be this morning, 1 Corinthians 12. So uh, we've said, listen, in 2022, we want to become a church that practices what we preach when it comes to spiritual gifts. Like we've always believed in these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We've always believed that like, like the Lord still gives gifts and, 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 and does this, but we've always kind of like, we believed it and, and just kind of left it there. And we were like, listen, no, like if, if, if we read the scriptures to be true, we should be going after this stuff. And so that's what we've been doing. And, and but we also want to do this not in like a, like, just through like tradition or superstition, we want to know what the Bible says about these things. And so we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians because it covers this a lot. And then uh, when we're done with 1 Corinthians, we'll go into uh, the book of Acts. And so we've been in 1 Corinthians 12, which is this list of spiritual gifts. Uh, and we've been taking a different gift each week and talking about, okay, like, what is that? And what, what does that mean? And how, what does it look like in use? And so we're going to continue that today as we actually wrap up the gift list in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. So if, if you have it, here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7, says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I'm going to say it one last time as we go through this passage. Always bring it up. This phrase that we translate as manifest or manifestation is the Greek word phanerosis. And what it means is an unveiling or disclosure that something's there. In other words, it reveals the presence of God. Like a spiritual gift, it's not just like a natural talent. It's not like, a, you know, I'm good at this, so therefore it's my spiritual gift. No, instead what a spiritual gift does within this context is it shows that God is in a place doing something that only God could do. Like the, the, the idea behind the word is like, you know, if there are angels in the room right now, and there probably are, uh, you don't see them, you're not aware of them, but if there was an unveiling, you would see that they're there. And that's the idea behind spiritual gifts. Like God is moving among his people, he's manifesting his presence. He's ministering to all of us, and gifts are ways that he does that. So it continues. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Uh, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The gifts of tongues and interpretation. Oh man, we're going to have some fun. And I know like right now, right now, like even as I say that some people like, um, maybe like you're new to our church, like, man, they seem so normal. And now, <laughs> and now we're talking about tongues and ah, oh, gosh. And, and, and I would just say this, listen, um, if that's where you're, because I know like, like when it comes to this gift, something that happens is maybe like you've seen like a weird manifestation of it. You've seen maybe somebody practice it in a way that, that we wouldn't necessarily affirm. It was just odd. And so you're like, uh, no, thank you. Um, here's what I would just challenge you to think about. And, and us, like to just sort of think through together, okay? If, if we're Bible-believing Christians, okay, like if we believe the scriptures to be true, let, let's, just, let's just challenge ourselves to go wherever the scriptures take us. And like, the, the thing is this, we need to remember that we didn't invent this religion, right? Like, like we didn't come up with Christianity. Like it's not like I was just one day, I was like, you know what would be good if I just like fabricate some rules about God. That's terrible. Instead, what we're doing is like, we believe the Bible is true, that God has spoken without error through it, through all generations. Consequently, 
what we want to do is go, like, what does the Scripture teach about life? And what does, the, what does the Scripture teach about being a Christian? Let's go there, even if it takes us somewhere where it's outside of our comfort zone, okay? So with that, I want to acknowledge that, listen, this is a big topic. Like, when it comes to speaking in tongues and, and interpretation of tongues, like, it's a, like and, and we have all kinds of different baggage with it, all kinds of, you know, like, uh, Traditions that maybe we come from in terms of believing it or not believing in it. And so here's what, like, I, I just need to acknowledge, this is going to take more than one week, all right? So for, like, so today and next Sunday, we're going to talk about this. And, and here's how we're going to split it up. So if you're like, man, the talk feels incomplete today, yes, I'm doing that as a courtesy to you. I'm splitting one talk in half so that you can go to lunch, okay? So, so here's, here's, here's what we're going to do, all right? So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about like what are the gifts of speaking in tongues and, and interpretation of tongues. Like just doctrinally, as we go into the Bible, what does it teach that these things are and do? And then next Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, okay, what are their uses? Like, what, what, like how does this benefit us as Christians? And also, how should they be like played out and used within the life of the church? Okay, so that's where we're going. Okay, today, just what is tongues and interpretation? Next week, what do we do with them? How, how do we use them, okay? So with that said, here, I'm gonna, here's just my working definition of what Paul is talking about when he talks about the idea of speaking in tongues. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's what speaking in tongues is. Uh, it's an enabling of the Holy Spirit to allow a person to speak in a language they previously did not know. Let me say that again. It's an enabling of the Holy Spirit to speak in a language that they previously did not know. That, that, I mean, at the core, like whatever you believe about tongues, if you believe it's still around, if you don't, okay, this, like, like for even those who believe that, like, that God doesn't give that gift anymore, they would affirm, okay, like when the Bible talks about speaking in tongues, that's it. That's not the debate, okay? Here's why there's a debate, and here's why things divide, okay? And so maybe, maybe this sort of accounts for how we've got all these different sort of, you know, views on tongues in the room, okay? So there is a movement, um, and, and it's actually, it's, it's shrinking in scope, but it's still around among, among Protestants, and we're, and we're Protestants, um, and, and, and the movement came out, like it was created about the 1600s, a little bit before, 16th century, uh, by a guy named John Calvin, um, and, and I, like, I like Calvin, but it's called cessationism, all right? And cessationism was a response to a lot of abuses in the church. And cessationism basically teaches this, that when it comes to sort of supernatural or spectacular spiritual gifts, they stopped when the last apostle died, or they stopped being given when the last apostle died because only apostles could give those gifts and they prayed for people. Now, is there a verse in the Bible that teaches that? No. Is there any precedent for that in church history? No. Which is why nobody believed that until the, until the mid-1500s. Okay, so for the first three quarters of the life of the church, nobody thought this. But it went through, okay, and, and here's, here's what, what uh, a lot of cessationists, and, and again, we're, we're brothers in Christ. This is not a, I believe this is an open-handed issue. In other words, like, there's some things that are close-handed, like, and, and if we disagree, we're not brothers. Like, so if you don't believe that Jesus died for your sin and rose from the dead, uh, we're not brothers, okay? Like, if, if, if you believe that you can earn your salvation, we're, we're not brothers, okay? But this, I think we can disagree about spiritual gifts, and still be one in Christ. I really do, all right? But here's where my cessationist brothers and sisters and, and I diverge. When it comes to speaking in tongues today, this is one of their reasons, and this is how they would respond to the sort of practices of speaking in tongues in the modern church. They would say, listen, when you go into the scriptures, what you find is, like in stories in the book of Acts, you find people, when they're speaking in tongues, they're speaking in earthly, known 
languages. Now, charismatics, they would say, don't do that. When charismatics speak in tongues, they're sort of, you know, they're, they're rambling and gibberish. They're just, you know, Simba Rafiki Timon. Like they're just, they're not saying like anything. They're not saying, thank you. All right. They're not saying anything real. So therefore, since they're not speaking in earthly languages, it means that it's not a gift from God. Second thing they would say is this, okay. Also, linguists, or linguists have studied it. Like, there have been people who specialize in languages. They sit down, they listen to people speaking in tongues, and they go, listen, this is not any known language, if it's a language at all. So therefore, it can't be the same practice as the scriptures. And lastly, they would say this, uh, there's also uh, excesses. In other words, like, okay, we know the scriptures teach about, like, the Holy Spirit not causing us to lose control and, and not making us go into a state of disorder. But when we look at some charismatic practices, people are going nuts and they're sort of prone to emotional outbursts and displays, which seem to not be of God. Therefore, they would conclude, and that's all of next week, so how we handle that, okay? But, but therefore, it's not the same gift as described in the scriptures. Now, here's what I'm going to argue today, Okay. When it comes, like when it comes, we'll go through points one and two. Like, okay, not earthly languages or earthly languages, and then we'll talk about, okay, what about verses like you know if it doesn't seem to be an, like a known language. Um, I'm going to argue that when it comes to like, okay, what does the Bible teach about what tongues is? Okay, is it an earthly or not earthly language? I'm going to say it's both, and I think I actually see precedent for it in the scriptures, and I'm going to show you that today. So, it, so here, uh, first one we're, we're going to do is uh, Acts chapter 2. It's probably the most famous story of speaking in tongues in the Bible. Um, and and here's, here's how the story goes. And so this, this is the birth of the church. It's when the Holy Spirit first uh, begins to indwell believers. It says this in Acts 2, starting in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, real quick pause, okay? Um, one thing to note, as I talked about, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. Um, I, I just need to make sure that we know this. This path is not teaching that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That is a bad reading of this passage. And you can know it's a bad reading. I, I, really quick, side note, I did a whole message on this why when, like, like what, when Luke uses the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke and Acts. Um, like it's, it's the first message I preached this year. So if you go back on our, web, like on our website or YouTube, it's called filled with, the Holy, or filled with the Spirit. You can watch that there. I, I cover that in length. Okay, but basically, here's how you can know that he's not teaching that because he uses this phrase filled with the Spirit like eight times in Acts and this is the only time it's linked with tongues. Like out of all of them, so like there's something unique and, and basically the way that you, Luke uses this phrase is it's a supernatural pointing to Jesus. Like that's what it does. It's a supernatural testimony of Jesus. And so what they do is as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in earthly tongues um, that, that point to what Christ has done. So here's what happens. Verse five. Now, they were, or they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their, and look at this, own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, um, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own, or our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and uh, the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, 
both, Jew, or both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Okay, so the believers, they're filled with the Spirit. They begin to speak in earthly languages. People from different parts of the world who are there for basically a religious convention hear them talking in their home languages about God. They're like, what is happening? All right, and that's the beginning of the first uh, presentation of the gospel by the New Testament church. It's awesome. And the cool part is God still does this. He does, like he still gives gifts of tongues in earthly languages. I told you before, uh, I think even this year, it's probably recently, um, Sorry for my, my good buddy, Sean McCarthy, um, who's a pastor. He's a Church of Christ pastor, actually, uh, out in Salisbury. Um, and, and he used to be a cessationist. He used to believe that God didn't give those gifts anymore. And then God just kind of showed him too much to, to the contrary, so he's abandoned that. But uh, one of the things that happened was a, a little while back, he was in Ghana, and uh, they were doing a missions trip there. And there was a lady who converted to Christianity from uh, Islam. And when she received Christ, there they are, um, the missionaries with her, and she didn't speak a, or she didn't speak a, a, a lick of English, okay? Um, when she converted to Christ, she began to praise God and thank him in perfect English, okay? And it freaked her right out. She didn't know what she was saying, but all the missionaries did, Okay? Um, these stories are not rare or unique. I, you know, I was listening to one of my favorite YouTube channels uh, and, and, and podcasts from, uh, is, is a group called Remnant Radio. I don't know if you ever check them out. They're uh, Joshua Lewis, uh, Michael uh, Miller, Michael uh, Roundtree. They're, they're fantastic. Really, really grounded theology, uh, but open to the things of the spirit. I just think they're great. Um, uh, the, the host, Joshua Lewis, who's telling the story uh, not too long ago in the story where they were in a private prayer meeting of believers. You know, they're there together and, and they're seeing the Lord and, and uh, they, some were praying in tongues and he himself um, was, was, was praying in tongues. He said, but also it, just went, it went different. Um, and, and he began to, he, he was speaking in tongues, but it didn't sound how it normally sounded. And, and when uh, things were done, a woman came up to him and she, and she was from Croatia. And she goes, you know, listen, I, um, do you realize that you were just speaking perfect Croatian when you were, when you were doing this? He's like, what? And she goes, in fact, you weren't just speaking perfect Croatian. You were speaking with the accent from my hometown. Okay? Like, you know, the same way, like, you know, like in Texas, there might be a little Southern drawl, you know, like there's English, but then there's, you know, like Southern English. Okay? That's what he was doing, but in Croatian. All right? Yeah, yeah, God absolutely still gives this gift, and it glorifies his name. What were the apostles doing? They were proclaiming the wonders of God, right, in, in tongues, and he still does this. It's absolutely in the scriptures. Now, here's why I'm hesitant to say this is the only manifestation of tongues, or this is the only application of it. That is only earthly languages. One, I'm hesitant to say that because Luke's phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, contextually has to do with unique manifestations that cause people to come to Christ. In other words, um, when you find the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit, it's usually a unique thing. It's not an across-the-board type manifestation of things. It causes people to step back and what's going on. It's true in the Gospel of Luke. It's true in the book of Acts. And so I would be hesitant to form a, a formula about it has to be earthly languages because of there, because that, that place is unique. Second thing I would say is this. Um, like in this instance, it's used evangelistically, right? Like, like, they're, the re, like what they're saying and doing in tongues is they're drawing people to Christ. Now, the problem is this. When you find Paul describing the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians, it's not evangelistically at all. It's actually the exact opposite. 
And the way that Paul describes tongues in 1 Corinthians doesn't sound like he's talking about earthly languages. And I'm going to show that to you right now. There's, there's several passages. I'm, I'm just going to go through a few of them, okay? First one would be 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 23, as he's talking about, like, here's how we put into practice tongues within the life of a church. Again, that's next week at length. We're going to talk about that. But just in passing, here's some things that he says. First, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 23, look at how he describes this. He says, so... If the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Okay? Now, by the way, when was the last time you heard somebody charismatic preach this verse? Like, can we own that? Like, me in it? Okay? But hey, if everybody's just ba ba ra ra since this boom ba, people are going to walk in and they're going to go, you're nuts. Okay? Now, here's why this is, here's why this is so big, Okay? Number one, Paul's point is precisely to not do this in front of unbelievers without somebody to interpret. And that's very different from Acts because Acts, the whole thing was to do it in front of unbelievers. Secondly, he said, like, if it's an earthly language, this verse doesn't make sense. And the reason it doesn't make sense is because, listen, Corinth was a shipping town. It was a port. There were people coming in from all over the world and people who lived in Corinth spoke all kinds of languages. And so if it's just, okay, you're in a gathering of people and people are speaking in foreign languages, people from Corinth are not going to blink at that because that's just, that's life, all right? But like, like, there's nothing odd about that. But if they're speaking some kind of language that nobody's heard before, that just sounds distinct and odd and off, and there's nobody to tell people like what it's meaning, well, that would throw them off. So that would be my first kind of including that, all right, no, he's talking about something beyond sort of typical earthly languages. Again, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he says it like this. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Now, again, um, Acts 2, no, it was absolutely to people, wasn't it? Like Acts 2, these earthly languages, like the language is horizontal. But what Paul's describing here is vertical. He's going, look, okay, like... When you're speaking in a tongue, what you're doing is you're talking directly to God. You're, you're like, uh, and again, like if it's known human languages, that makes zero sense. Because like, listen, what does Russian do? It, it speaks to Russians. What does French do? It speaks to people who speak French, okay? But, but if we're talking about a language that no human being speaks, well, then yeah, that, that would be uh, vertical. And so he, he continues. He says, indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in the spirit. No one understands them. I mean, there's no earthly dialect. And also, again, think how unlike Acts 2 that is. Like the, well, no, in Acts 2, people understand them perfectly. But that's not what he's describing here. And, he's, and they're uttering mysteries in the spirit. Okay, why? Because it's vertical. This is why charismatics, Pentecostals, call praying or speaking tongues a prayer language. Okay, in other words, and I think, I think that terminology is apt. I think that, yeah, that, that makes sense because that seems to be what Paul is describing here, that it's, that it's something that like, you speak directly to God about and the person doesn't know what they're praying. And Okay, well, how, how does that work within the life of the church? Next week, but the point remains, okay? The point remains like, okay, uh, that this seems to be different than what is described in the book of Acts. I mean, listen, we, we could just in passing a couple other verses, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul says, and God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, just describing all kinds of different gifts, uh, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And it could be, it, it could be 
that what he's describing is, hey, people speak in different languages of tongues. That, that could be. It could also be in keeping when he talks about how there's different or various kinds of gifts of healing, where the idea is, okay, it's, it's like there's the, the sort of umbrella of healing, but then there's all different kinds of manifestations. I think that's probably the better reading here. Listen, like, like okay, there's the sort of umbrella of speaking in a language that you don't know, but there's all different kinds of ways that God manifests that and uses that in a body of believers. And it's not one cookie cutter image. Okay, we can continue. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, which I cannot wait to preach through that passage coming up. Um, but he says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Meaning I'm just making noise, but because no one understands me, it doesn't make any sense to do. It's not profitable. Okay, speaking in tongues of men or angels, is, is he saying that when people speak or pray in tongues that it's a heavenly language? I mean, it could be. It could also just be that he's sort of talking about like the sort of full spectrum of things, whether it be between like, you know, known earthly dialects to like the very, very callings of heaven. Like the, the simple point is this. Um, I think scripture absolutely supports the idea that there is more than one kind of tongues gift. I do. I, I think, I think, uh, I think you can see that in the way it's described in Acts. I think you can see that the way that Paul describes what's going on in the Corinthian church, uh, here. Um, and so, but uh, with that said, because we're talking through 1 Corinthians, we have to acknowledge that, that Paul would say when it comes to uh, putting this other kind of tongues into practice, there has to be some in interpretation with it. Okay. And so that leads to the next thing. Okay, like what is uh, the gift of interpretation? Okay. Because here's the other thing. Here's why it would be a mistake to go, listen, okay, like a gift of interpretation is being really good at translating languages. The reason that would be a mistake is because, again, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each a manifestation or revealing of the presence of the Spirit is given. That's, that's, that's the context for what that gift is described as. Well, listen, like people who don't know Christ can be good at describing or translating languages. So that, that doesn't seem right, okay? But he says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 13 and 14. He says, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should, and look, look how dependent on God you have to be for this, pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my, and again, look, pray, like vertical, okay? My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, okay? So like the gift of, of interpretation, I think it is this sort of applying of the, like the mystery non-earthly language of tongues as Paul is describing it. So, okay, what, what's our working definition of interpretation of tongues? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Here's what I think it is. Uh, really simple. Uh, interpretation of tongues is an enabling of the Holy Spirit to allow a person to interpret the meaning of an utterance in tongues. That's what, I mean, simple as that, okay? It's the Holy Spirit enabling somebody to understand or interpret what is being said by an unknown tongue. Now, um, let me clarify what that means. That does not mean a word-for-word -word translation. And this, this, is, this is crucial, okay? Um, so for instance, you, you, might, like, you might have two people together, right? And one speaks in tongues uh, for like five minutes and somebody has an interpretation and the interpretation is like three minutes, right? And you'd be like, ha see, it couldn't be legitimate because of the, the time difference. And we'd just be like, well, no, it's not gift of translation, it's an interpretation. And Language doesn't always work word to word like that. So for instance, you may know uh, when it comes to our translations of the Bible, 
there are different kinds of translations, right? There's what are called formal translations where they try to be as close to word to word as they can be at the expense sometimes of things sounding okay in English. You know, so for instance, like the, the NASB would be sort of a, 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 a formal uh, translation where it's okay, like this is to this, this to this, this, this. But, but Greek and Hebrew, they don't work uh, sentence structure the way that English does. So, I mean, there's just, there's some work to be done there. But then you have something like the New Living Translation, where it would be what's called like a functional translation, meaning like they take the general idea and they put it in sentences that we can understand, okay? When it comes to interpretation of tongues, the, the same idea, okay? Listen, like, it, it, okay, the person may be saying a thing, but what it does is, like, it here's the crux of what they're saying. Here's, here's the, the consensus of it. And usually, just like what we're, when you, when you see it in practice, usually what's being interpreted is, is some kind of prayer or praise. Like usually, I mean, because like, what's the person doing? They're speaking to God in the tongue, right? So usually you'll find like, and you'll find like a, a gathering of people and uh, somebody prays in a tongue and, and you might have like two or three people who interpret it, right? And what they do, okay, and they'll come back. All right, here's what the person was saying. And sometimes it's kind of neat, actually. Like, like, so you'll see like, a, like they'll come back. All right, they were, you know, they were, I don't know, let's, let's I'll, hypothetically, they were, they were thanking God for orange juice. I mean, that's very, that probably wouldn't happen, but just like, okay, like, so you have one person, they come over, like, well, you know, he was talking about, like, the, the groves of Florida and somebody else, yeah, he was talking about Tropicana, or, I mean, that doesn't happen, but you get what I'm saying? Like, like they're, they're just, they, they might, like, take different emphases, but they're, they're getting at the, sore, like, the same core. And what happens, okay, so if you have somebody, like, they're babbling thing that nobody understands, but something you have three people, and they come in, and go, like, here's what was at the core of that prayer, and they all say it independently of each other, what happens? Well, everybody just stops, don't they? They go, wow, the Lord is in that place, right? Because how could you all get that same conclusion? What is that? Manifestation, revealing of the presence of the Spirit. And so, wait, Bert, are you telling me then, is tongues an evangelistic gift or a prayer gift? Yes. It's whatever God wants it to be and do for whatever he wants it to do. Okay? Like, it depends on the tongue. But however, like, it's for however God chooses to use it in that moment. Whatever will get the job done. And even in Acts, this is the case. All right? So, for instance, okay, in Acts 2, in Acts 2, we read where, okay, it's evangelistic, right? They're reaching people with the gospel. But you go forward to Acts 10. Okay, with the Gentile believers who come to Christ for the first time and it says like, when they heard Peter's words, he proclaims the gospel, it says the Holy Spirit fell on them, right? And they began to speak with other tongues. And do you remember what, like, so you're saying it's earthly or heavenly. That's not the point. Do you remember the fruit of it? The fruit of it was the Christians went, okay, they're part of the family of God too. So it wasn't for people to convert to Christ. It was for them to be like, hey, we're in this together. Like they received the same spirit that we did and, and 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 that's kind of how tongues functions. Like it, like it can, it can it be different among believers versus like out with unbelievers. Yeah, it's just however God wants to use it in that moment. Okay, it's like cool. So what do we do with it here? Well, we pray, close, and talk next week. All right. So what? So all right. So so and, and I know like right now even as I'm saying this, you might be like, wait. So is is SGC going wild now? The answer is probably going to surprise you. No, even though we're going to practice the gift. No, and the why of that is next Sunday. So let's pray. Father, we thank you because you give gifts and we embrace, Lord, we say yes and amen. We will have whatever you want for us because you're good and we trust you. Even if things make us weirded out, even if things make us uncomfortable, you are a good God. You are a good father who does good things. 
And I thank you for the gift of tongues. And I thank you for the gift of interpretation. And I thank you because we get to walk together and bless each other with service by using these gifts. Please have your way among us. If there's anybody here who's been asking you for a tongue, I pray you raise that up in them this week during their prayer time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week, okay?